Welcome to a very special episode of Commagers. I'm Brian Costello. I'm Jim DeSanto. And I'm Katie. Oh, I thought you were going to give the... Wah, I'm wah. Katie. <laughs> what, what is the number of times somebody will say that in this movie? Probably less than the movie itself. It's true. I, don't know. I would hope. I would hope. Okay. I would hope. Uh, today we are honoring the memory of an amazing man and friend, Josh Fulmer, by discussing Al Pacino's Oscar-winning performance in Scent of a Woman. But first, we answer the most pressing question of every week. What are we drinking this episode, what does everybody have for us? I'm having Larceny Barrel Proof again in Ooh. my Mando glass. This is the way. Very nice. Uh, I, I made myself a little warm apple cider, um, which sounded lovely, but now I am I'm glistening. I'm glistening. It right isn't. Now. Yeah, I'm I'm sweating. So maybe we'll it's let it little, cool down. A little too hot. A little yeah, too hot. This room does get a little warm mm -hmm. with the computer yes. and mm -hmm. the guitar amp. There's a lot going on in here. A lot going on in that room. Mm. Uh, I am drinking Arrogant Bastard Ale. Oh, oh that's a good one. I haven't yes. had that one in a long time. Yeah. Is that so stone? Or no, that's... Uh, uh, no, this is... I should know off the top of my head. Um, by the Arrogant uh, oh. Brewing Company. Yep. I was totally off. Samsonite. Nope. <laughs> yeah. It's delicious. Uh, okay. Quick fact check. Uh, you don't really have anything fact check from The Fugitive. No. Just solid, solid episode. Yep. Like it was a solid movie. That's all we have to say good about movie. that. Fine. It was a fine. We did great. F fine. I think fine we, were, we were really good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Made myself a Chicago hot dog this week. Ugh. Ate it. God, Bought it off the hot dog roller at the 7-Eleven. No, I will say of like the, the, the things that cities are known for. Now, Katie and I went to Chicago. They have amazing food, oh like restaurants there. Yes. But the so the big things that they are known for are way overrated. Yeah. The, well, One, the Chicago dog. We didn't do the pizza. I did, but oh. the deep dish, Target pizza. Pizza. deep dish pizza and that Portillo's Italian sandwich. Mm. Eh. Can't do it. No. Now, I, yeah. You, but we had you, some great food. You can put the roast pork, the cheesesteak and the pretzel up against pretty much anything in the country, I think. Yeah. Yeah, so. Philly's got some good food. Yeah. Yeah. I will not eat cheesesteaks anywhere other than Philadelphia. Yeah. <laughs> I won't buy. I won't Especially order. Especially if it's called waste. the Philadelphia cheesesteak. Yes. Yes. If it, if they on the menu re yeah. refer to it as the Philadelphia cheesesteak, you immediately. Right. They uh, always put peppers. For, for some reason, they Do put green right. peppers and, and onions on those oh, all the time. Uh, so let's weird. not even talk about that. It's horrible. Uh, so our choice this week, as we said, is so. Sense yes. of a Woman. And as we said at the la end of last episode, this was inspired from our Few Good Men episode mm -hmm. when Josh referenced that other than A Few Good Men, which was his clearly his favorite movie, that he was inspired by Al Pacino's performance partially uh, to go into his career in law. So we thought, let's talk scent of a woman. Uh, and if you could, we've been sharing it on our social media and some of you follow and some of you have been so generous to donate to the GoFundMe. But if you have not yet had a chance and have an opportunity, please do that. We are so grateful yes. to the commenters who have contributed. Um, it just it means more than, you know. And if you still haven't, go back and check out the episode uh uh the few good men episode where josh is uh talking about one of the films that he loves yeah i rewatched a few good men this past week did you yeah yes i did it will be a special film even more special now yeah i think since we did that uh all right it is time 
for the rundown. Surprisingly difficult rundown. There's there are a lot of ins and outs to this movie. Yeah, a lot of ins and outs. Yeah, what what direction? I'm interested to see I, what direction you take. I'll be this honest. Because... I started on one side of the paper and then I went to the other side of the paper and I was like, I feel like I'm in the wrong order. So we're just gonna I'm picking a side. Let's start with that side. All right, let's see. Lieutenant Slade is a decorated former officer living an unfulfilled life in his niece's backyard apartment. Blinded by a foolish choice, Slade has taken a hit to his ego and his sight. He needs a helper to assist him in his final plan to leave this earth on his own terms. His helper, Charlie, is a poor Midwestern kid on scholarship at Baird. Wrong. Uh, Idaho? Midwest. All right, focus, focus, focus. Baird, a bougie prep school. He's just trying to keep his nose down and clean when he witnesses some hijinks. When the headmaster dangles an ivy-covered carrot in front of him, Charlie has a hard choice to make. A few days in New York City may be just what this unlikely pair needs to carry on with the life they want to live. Ivy covered carrot. I think you like that. I like that. Silver tongue seductress. I like that. Yes, I like that. Well, I wasn't sure we were ever going to find a place less inclusive than Bushwood Country Club on this program, but we found it. We did. Though, I mean, they let one poor kid in, Mm -hmm. so... Yes. Well, well, yeah, he, he also he is basically contest, didn't he? he's white and he looks like a supermodel. So, yeah. yeah so. <laughs> yeah. He's white and he looks that, like he could be president. Very inclusive. That's true. Um I I There's I a woman watching, on the faculty. Well, yes, not in the school. Uh, no. but maybe mm-hmm. that's an all boys school. Yeah. Um I was thrilled I was actually oddly watching Sent a Woman 2 where all the people who went to Baird Academy were sitting in the Rose Garden catching COVID which is the sequel <laughs> that's where they that's what they all ended up going that's where Philip Seymour Hoffman's uh, wow. character ends well up played. Yeah. well yeah. played yeah. Um, so 1993 yeah, 1993 um, again it was God, it, this year is just kind of crazy we talked about this because of the fugitive last week, but we, we ran down the list. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sneaky, good movie year. Sleaky, and sleaky. It, it's not sneaky, <laughs> slinky, sneaky, slinky, whatever. <laughs> um, but here, here, I wanted to, I was interested in this. So, so I looked at what movies were nominated for best picture. Um, mm-hmm. This film was one of the five. You know, now I think it's like 50 films get nominated. In fact, I'm not even sure enough films will be released in the theater this year to make up the full allotment of nominations that are eligible for Best Picture. Uh, So Sen of a Woman was nominated for Best Picture, but lost out to Unforgiven, the Clint Eastwood Western. I am not a huge Western person. That movie was awesome, though. That was a good movie. Um, Also nominated was Com Major's favorite Few Good Men, Uh uh, Howard's End, uh-huh. And the crying game. Oh. So yeah. um, but this movie also, as we mentioned at the beginning, features Al Pacino's Oscar winning performance. 
um, which is interesting that it is his only Oscar. And maybe we can get into that a little bit as the film goes on. A film that I honestly, other than Josh bringing it up in our episode of Few Good Men, had not even thought about for a second in years. In fact, I think I probably saw the film in the theater and I'm not sure I ever saw it again after that. I was you are the think... type of kid to go see a movie like this in the theater. Weren't you? I definitely I, saw this when I it came saw, out. Really? Oh, I saw, oh yeah. I, I used to go see every movie that was nominated for an Oscar. Yeah. I, uh, I was thinking that this was definitely a movie that played on a Royal Network at Scranton. This this oh, was I think this it was a Royal was. Network. Movie. Then I might have actually probably yeah. been. I, I never probably watched saw the it Royal there Network. Oh, I taped. So friends who did not go to Scranton, there's not many of you out there, but um, we had a. Every school has this, by the way. Oh yeah, yes. like a yes. cl- what is it? Like uh, a, closed, a closed circuit. Yeah. yeah. So they just played channel. movies all day long. I, I wonder how that worked in terms of royalties. But anyway, um, I would I would record that shit to video. On a daily, mm-hmm. I just had oh, like had, movies. Had, oh, of course! Well, I had so I, for many years, VHSs. for years, I had VHSs that I recorded at Scranton. I did it from Prism when I was a kid. Yeah. Prism. Yeah. Ah! We had it. it was a That's Hollywood funny. film. Three films, uh, three films a month, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. the Late Night with Brian Costello mm-hmm. show. We were the highest rated original program <laughs> on the Royal Network <laughs> in the two years that our show was on the air there. <laughs> <laughs> don't make me get so, the guitar i will play the theme song we Please will don't. play that song Please do um that. all right so so let's talk this movie because this is i mean this is an oddly you know when people will talk about al pacino godfather dog day after all these yeah this is his oscar winning performance and is this is what you is this what you think of when you think al pacino yeah i i watching him in this I was struggling to pull up his other characters because this one is so strong. So it's it's just such a complex and thorough character um, that I think you really do get like sucked in to yeah. Slade. But and I, and I I do want to say I think there's this notion that in Hollywood, you know, if you tackle a character that has something going on in terms of a, a physical, mental. Uh, disability ability something that makes them i guess more difficult to portray that that's sort of like the the oscar you know road i would argue that the fact that this character was blind was a small percentage of the acting that al pacino did like i thought that this character was so much more than just <laughs> You know, him portraying a, you know, a blind, blind man navigating this world with a a whole lot of stuff, a whole lot of emotional baggage. Yeah, it was it was a really good acting job. Like, I felt really good about this getting an Oscar. Yeah. You know, it's funny. It's like, I don't I don't think I ever put Al Pacino in like the great. I I mean, he's a good act. He's a great actor, I guess. I I don't know. I, I just don't. I have such a hard time with that era of actors that kind of came along. Like even De Niro, I have trouble with. Like I feel like they, they, you know, have some really high moments. I have to watch Taxi Driver. Yeah, haven't done it. Me too. But like, I, I don't know that Al Pacino has a great. I mean, obviously, The Godfather is the movie that you would think. Like if, if he, 
maybe the Godfather too, because because he's a little more. I don't know. He has a little more, a little more going on. Serpico. In there. Yeah, but uh, even that, like, those aren't like super. I don't know. Yeah. I mean this this film. I mean this role in particular is clearly like an Oscar reel. Right. Yeah. Like I felt like I felt like it was written that way yeah. though, right? right. And you get these like long sequences with monologues yep. and where he's able to go and just kind of play with that. I mean, that what? which allows him by the way, he pulls it off. Yeah. But it is it, it had the potential to be not good if he didn't pull it off. A hundred percent. Yes. And that's where I think I was pleasantly surprised by the depth of who he is in this film. You know, I, I think the interplay between him and the other characters, you know, that idea of like, well, what would happen if this guy ended up in this situation? Well, it's, uh, it's really interesting in this movie. Yeah, because it, to me, this movie has it's so complex, the plot, when you really break it down. Um, because you have this really unlikable immature character kind of coming full circle and doing you know people would probably say this is a coming of age film it's not this has nothing to do yeah. with charlie Charlie he doesn't, doesn't change, change at right. all you're absolutely right um he it's doesn't. not a coming of age story no. it's like a it's like Stopping the coming of age. Well, it's a silver, silver fox coming of age story. Well, no, the whole point in the end <laughs> is that he doesn't want Charlie to move further than he has to down the line of like yeah. compromising himself. Yeah, but but Slade is the one that changes. Right, 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 like, right, right. That's he. Yes. Right. Well, it's, it's it's like reversing the roles right. of your normal coming of age. Right. Film. Yeah. And and the the funny part is then you to do that. You have to have this really complex idea that that there would be like a a judicial hearing for two students that did nothing wrong. Yeah. Which yeah, that... is really tenuous and like uh, it's the only part of the movie that makes me go like what is going on here? And I guess it makes out, you know, it makes Slade do the same thing because he wants to know what the fuck is it, going on except here. Except <laughs> it doesn't feel so out of reach. It doesn't. It doesn't it, when it starts no, happening. I believe that. When he first said it, I'm like, what? And but, then when it starts happening, you're sort of like, okay, I sort of feel like do you, they've done this before. No, right. It, that feels legit in situations where you have a school that's so full of itself that it says it stands so much on certain principles and then has somebody who is uh, power hungry up at the at, up at the top. Like that just becomes a big public humiliation hearing. And that's mm -hmm. certainly happened throughout history. Well, I, I do think this is where I think this film does teeter a little bit. And I think it's why Pacino gets the notoriety for it. But the film doesn't because I think Jim's right. It's overly complex and they spend they have to spend about a half hour setting up stuff for the last 25 minutes to mean anything yeah when in essence that's not what the film's really about do you know what i mean like the, the, the performance is great and the end piece of it, it's exciting and stuff but even that is it's kind of bad shit it's kind of yeah. like this guy shows up and people are there and the monologue at the end is great it's de it's delivered perfectly but it's kind of like why are they doing this? What's happening? Why do we have to spend a half hour of the film setting it up? 
and that's like where I feel as a film, it it's a little bit less than like the performance of it. Mm. Like his performance is great. Chris O'Donnell's performance, I think, is yeah fantastic. We had a I think moment it's underrated. for Chris O'Donnell because mm-hmm. things did not go up for him from this point. Well, he went well, and did really bad Batman movies. Yeah, well, he shame. did, but he also, but he also made a choice. I, I believe it was him. He made a choice for a while to stop acting because of his family. Like mm. he wanted to be with mm. his kids. Yeah. And then, God bless him. We don't watch the shows, but he makes a fortune. He's on one of those NCIS shows. Yeah, and that's LL true, cool right? You know, I bet you that is a more stable, you know, family friendly sort of shooting you schedule. Closer to a nine to five. Yeah, yeah, right. that's and you, true. And you get right, to live as, close, as close as, can, as they can you. have to a nine. After those kids grow up. Up. we'll see you back again but i have screen. to get but but i want to give him credit because when i was watching it like one of my hot takes for a while there was he is really having to do in essence i think the more difficult acting job in this film than pacino yeah because he has to provide like the anchor for pacino to go off in these runs and these tangents and if you don't care about the idea that this character is being put in a scenario to go with this guy, because Jim's right. His character isn't having an arc of growth. He's just, you know, he's kind of going through and providing the stability that Pacino needs to start to come to a realization of who he is in some respects. I think it's pretty hard for somebody that young as he was in his career to do that. And I think that's where I'm going to argue for the film and the slower start um the audience enters through charlie and so they have to spend that time at the beginning establishing charlie and getting that relationship with philip seymour hoffman because for most of the film he's a voice on the phone agreed and so you have to have that understanding of who this guy is and have the first hand account of him not just slade's impression of him and charlie's impression of him Mm -hmm. Um, in order f- to go on the whole ride, right? Because uh, th- uh, this movie, you absolutely could end up on the wrong side with Slade of just being like, he's a total asshole. I don't because like, he kind of because he kind I, of he is. is. Yeah. He is. <laughs> but there, but they, ah, you're still there. You're still I, there with Charlie being no, like, no. Uh, Charlie defends him at Thanksgiving dinner, and you're like. Ah, both of the things. Like, man, I really wish he wouldn't say all that stuff. But also, oh, he's like a wounded animal. Like, I, I mean, I, not the blindness, like emotionally wounded. No, 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 you know? I agree. I just wonder if 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 it was overly complicated with the car yeah. and doing all the things. Could it have been like an academic, and the, like somebody cheating on a test or something that mm. there was a feeling there. I just felt the editing, which is interesting. We talked about the editing. I felt like the editing last week when we talked about The Fugitive was very crisp. Yeah. You know, this film, I felt like some of the takes were slightly too long. Mm -hmm. Some of the sequences were, and it doesn't make it a bad film in the least, but I feel like there were moments in it where there were amazing scenes. Like you had me, like it was brilliant. And then they were going to a scene and you're like, that's, do I need that scene? Like, what is it doing for the character? Yeah, it's Pacino doing something that's great, but he delivers in so many sequences. I don't know if we need it to be a two and a half hour movie. I feel like they could have delivered this movie in two hours. And I I still would have walked away with saying, great movie, great performance. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, it was Which really is good. weird. We we haven't done a ton of movies like that, though, like movies where we felt I feel like that it was a really good movie, but it it had the potential to be like an all time great movie with a few tweaks, I think. Yeah, in that respect. Uh, yeah, I yep. liked it. Yep, yep, yep. There is something that is sort of like it's not to for me personally. I I am tired of just like I'm tired of the mob movies from Scorsese and and seeing movies like that. I'm sort of worn out on like rich white kids prep school struggling yeah. with things yeah. kind of stuff. Well, you know, like, a, I'm just right. like, okay. Well, there was the, a run of those. And I well, know there was, this, there this was a run period. of those for yep. a while. Right, right. Huge, like the I mean, toy soldiers it, and those well, kinds yeah, of well, movies. What was the... Dead uh, Poets Society. No, uh, School Ties, right? School Ties, yeah, he's say, in that. You know, what's interesting about School Ties is that everybody in School Ties uh, auditioned for the role of Charlie. Everybody. Matt Damon, Ben Affleck, Philip Seymour Hoffman interview um, audition for every Brendan Fraser, all of them. And then they went and did that movie too. But I think you're right, Jim, like we grew up in a period that was like one of the hot film ideas. And then yeah. the tail end of it was kind of like Charlie Bartlett. Do you remember like that? Yeah, well, that then, movie is incredible on a totally it, different but, level. <laughs> yes. But it, but then it just kind of disappeared yeah. for a while, which I thought was interesting. Well, you know, it was like that, that catcher in the rye kind of idea phase, just yeah. done over and over again. Um, this obviously brings a totally different uh, element to it with, with Slade and, and the, to me, it does have like a very like if you told me this was a book, I would believe it because the writing, at least to to like some of the things that I noticed, <clears throat> the idea of hit like um of his gun and like asking him to put down his gun and sort of the symbolism of that. It's it it. The first time you see it, you you see him loading it and you get him putting it together and taking it apart and putting it together and he he's timing himself on how quickly he can he can quote unquote be you know armed. And he's armed the entire his entire life since since his accident, right? That's that's what his personality basically is, is a gun that's ready to go off at whoever's in front of him. And then the idea of like you know, can he put it away? Can he put that aside and be and become something else and have a third act, right? I thought it was a I think it's a great story um and written really well in some of those details that I think on a second watch, which I should have said, I've never seen this before. Oh, so yeah. Well you had mentioned yeah, you yeah. didn't you didn't go um, and see it. And so I think on a second watch there's even more to kind of dive into there and it, it you know and those are the types of movies i really like this um, is one of those movies that feels very literary yeah it, it is a movie it's that like you finish kind of yeah style. well you yeah, finish it similar, and you yeah. feel that exactly what you're saying like there's more there's more to be discovered here you know that i, I could go back through this and find other layers I, I mean i was just doing it right now working through like the headmaster character yeah and you know what they what they do with him in terms of like that's an act of him being humiliated and that there's a power struggle there. And, and so you have these, 
these dueling like power relationships d- dynamics with youth and money and and so th- there there's a lot going on um yeah i i think that this is a really good movie i sat with this because we pushed back when we were recording it and it's interesting usually we'll watch it a day or so before <laughs> and i was enjoyed it like I, I said, the first half hour, I watched it in two parts. So the first half hour and then I kind of had to stop watching and I was like, yeah, it's good. But I remembered it being better. And then I finished it and I said, oh, yeah, I really like it. But then I've had we've had a few more days now. And it's I feel like, you know, it's a good movie when it's still lingering yep. with you. Yeah. Like it hasn't left. You know, there there's ideas like Jim's talking about wanting to watch this set. There's ideas that you want to go back and say, okay, there are clearly characters here being portrayed off of each other. Like, you know, it, and it's, I think in some ways, a lesson for Chris O'Donnell's character. I think he's seeing different things, but it's also about Al Pacino recognizing and coming to terms with, you can challenge a system, right? But there's a way in which you can challenge it. I think that was like a really awesome part towards the end. He's like, I just challenged things because it made me feel good, basically, right? I needed to be the loudest person in the room. And and he's like saying to Chris O'Donnell, you're actually doing it for a purpose. And yeah. that there's a difference for and the fact that he could see that. I think it's an in, like that's an interesting narrative. And I yeah, also it's the think difference that, between having integrity and and being selfish, right? Like, yeah. like <laughs> And and it's so funny because, you know, throughout the film, Al Pacino is talking about what it means to be a bared man, a bared man. But in in some way, that's what he was being throughout his life in a, in a different respect. Right. He's using all those connect. Well, I was on Lyndon Johnson staff. Well, I'll go to this restaurant because I used to go here. Be And he is that in some way he yeah. is in, in yeah. some essence, not that much different than the headmaster yeah yep. it, it is a really um interesting idea as well for the like the moral backbone of the institution to be questioned um you know i i always kind of love those scenarios where especially um institutions that sort of sit on that moral high horse and use morals as a weapon um, to kind of be taken down by them. And, you know, that's all it really took was to someone to say, like, like literally repeat back to them what they're doing, what they're doing wrong. They don't, you don't even have to make a judgment on it. You just, you could just say exactly, let, let me, he, it basically starts, right? He's like, I think he says something like, let me get this straight. This is, this is what you're doing right now. And like, it's very obvious to anybody listening listening to a voice from the outside that, yeah, this is fucking weird. And it is a corrupting like element in that institution. Right. And, and that's a weird thing too, because those kids were shitheads. Right. But they don't deserve, no, they don't deserve anyone's protection at all. Right. But they also don't deserve their future to be in jeopardy because of anything they've done. Yeah, no, so I don't know. I, I, I agree. I think that's an interesting premise off of this as well. The whole idea, by the way, that, and I think this is a commentary which is still ongoing, you know, almost so many 20 plus you know, years later, that the only one who was really at risk in this was Chris O'Donnell. 
Right. What were they going to do to any of those other rich? Nothing. And that was being echoed like throughout yeah. it. And that's in itself when yeah. you go back and look at it, like the staggering thing that there's this genuinely good person who has done all this stuff. Probably one of the few people who were in that school on merit. He had to earn it. And they were the only person that had anything to lose in this, quote unquote, fraudulent high stakes situation. Right. Because it's yeah. it's nothing. It's a it's a joke or it's a prank. Right. And the only person who's really at risk is the person who's not. Yeah, it's sort of privileged. It's sort of the idea that a lot of a lot of, um, you know, upper middle class people and upper class people can't wrap their head around is that you know, that income inequality, the the through line of like what that can cause, how how that can inform like all your decisions as a person. Like we, we've been watching Shameless uh, a lot. And if you've ever seen Shameless, it's basically about a Great poor show. family on the South side of Chicago. And pretty much the one thing you can track through all 10 seasons that we've watched is that pretty much every decision they make on pretty much every level has to do with money and how they can get something to survive. And so like, you know, when you put someone who has gone through that their entire life in a situation where they're surrounded by other folks who, who are, you know, spending hundreds of thousands of dollars as sport on like going to, going to skiing you know spending your school tuition on haircuts yeah and going yeah yeah, well exactly (laughs) going to going skiing and in stowe and you know you can't even comprehend the amount of anxiety that someone in chris o'donnell's shoes would have been feeling um and they don't really get into that very much in this movie like they they again he looks he looks exactly like them so like, but you do you do feel it in his constant in the call in the phone yeah, calls yeah, 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 yeah. and in the conversation right mm-hmm. right you, right, you right. get that like this is this is on his mind constantly right yeah and I feel like upon watch so this is ninety three so I saw it as a fourteen year old and 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 it probably was on the Royal Movie Channel right so then we're as a twenty year old or whatever mm-hmm. what I found so interesting is. Again, we've talked about this before, watching it as an older person and you revisit it and Mm -hmm. look at it and you pick up on things that are different. Like to me, I always remember that last 25 minutes, right, where he gives his big stand. And it was great. His performance of it was great. But there were so many other smaller sequences in this that meant so much more to me that I thought Mm -hmm. were even better acted, like better character stuff in it and i which i found really interesting when chris o'donnell and all credit because i think it was probably supposed to be the big al pacino scene but when al pacino wants to kill himself right as we get towards the end i thought chris o'donnell was even better than al pacino in that sequence oh, yeah. he's yeah, he, was cr- he was freaking awesome yep in even, that sequence even the so, thanksgiving so dinner good. scene you know, the, the tension in that scene is happening really between um, Frank and his brother and, and the Bradley nephew. Bradley Whitford. And Bradley Whitford, right? Who's amazing as always. And, I mean, and even like the women, right? Like he's yeah. being inappropriate to the women. Yep. So the tension is there. But 
Chris O'Donnell's Charlie provides such an interesting anchor in that scene where like suddenly there's this, there is somebody that cares about this horribly flawed human and you get to see how much Slade also cares for Charlie. Yeah. And so the, so you can see how like this scene has happened over and over again through the years, right? You get that like this is a rinse and repeat sequence. Uh, uh, yeah. Right. Uh, Frank Very shows up, right? Frank yep. shows up, makes gets drunk, yep, does makes the thing. comments. Exactly. Yep. Every single time. And then Charlie being there totally changes everything. Yeah. You know? Fascinating. Moral of the story, don't send your fucking kids to schools like that. Oh, no. Don't do that. I also, don't play the... with hand grenades. Yes. I grew up on the campus of a boarding school. But maybe, uh, so know. But maybe you let a that. blind man drive. Uh, yeah, how did you not know that? You know I did that. not know that. No, uh, I did not know that. There. Nema? I there did not know that Brian grew up on the campus of a boarding school. Hmm. Donald Trump's boarding school, by the way. No, I did not know that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, like, you mean you're... So before the home that your family lives in, yeah, now, I didn't. Yeah, know. you no. you've been there. No, 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 that home. No, you've been on the campus. You went and saw me coach basketball there once. Hmm. Yeah, I grew up there. Very different environment. Very different well, environment. Well, it's a mil uh, it was the military one, right? It was neat. military. Yeah. It was a mil It literally was Donald Trump's school. Believe it or yeah. not, that's where he went to high school, and his high school records disappeared in a fire. Hmm. Air quotes around fire. Um, Gotta plug this. Would you say they there went up was a up his nose? A, there was a if looks Played could kill. Love that scene. If looks could kill cameo in this film, did everybody catch it? Because yeah. one actress, the amazing Gabrielle oh, Anwar, Anwar, that mm -hmm. he dances with. Yep, yeah. Of course, scene. we was last seen with one Mister Richard Grieco, art <laughs> bottle, a uh, wine bottle artist enthusiast. Yeah. Michael Corbin in If Looks Could Kill. There you go. That's they another spent, that's another great scene. They spent three days filming that, by the way. That's there a great are, scene. There are great scenes the, the, in this movie. The blind driving could have been cut down slightly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah but, but we get a Ron Elder cameo as yeah. oh, yeah, the cop. Good. Another great uh what was his name in ER? Shep. 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 Shep in he was the, he was the firefighter, of, yeah. right? Yeah. I had to look it up because I was like I yeah. kept picturing him. Oh yeah, I he, was. he was an and, EMT, and he was in that. Was he, was, he was in that. Was he? You no, know, he was. He was. was, he a well, he was an a, no, he, he was, was an EMT times. in the firefighter. No, he uh, was. Okay. He was a fire. Okay. Uh, there was some great. Like mm -hmm. I, I felt right back in like well, the I said to mid Jim, to late nineties yeah. here. I, said, I loved I'd, all of it. I would not have told you that I remembered much of this movie. The driver, like when when the driver the first time the driver was. In the in the scene, I was like, oh, my God, I remember this guy. I didn't remember at that point that he, you know, kind of plays a larger role in the film. Um, but it's just funny. Like, uh, he is a memorable. He's a memorable character in this story. Yeah, he's great. Yeah. Like, there's a little thing. I, I do think that, again, the only issue I have, I feel, is the editing was slightly off. Because I think the, the writing of the film is great. Yeah. I do have a little issue with the DVD box that I took out of the library oh, where Lord. above that headline is not Al Pacino Oscar winner. It's from the director of Beverly Hills Cop, oh, Martin Brest. That feels like I, I'm not sure choice. if those two yeah. things go. By well, the way, I, we, we love Beverly Hills Cop. Oh, yeah, We're not no. saying anything bad about um, Beverly Hills Cop. I was thinking, because I, I was thinking about watching A Few Good Men. Um, yeah when we were watching scent of a woman 
yeah the score for scent of woman is excellent yeah it's good it well that is a high end that's james uh Howard, who is one of the all-time best but it shows you that best. that like uh, there were moments for me where i I realized like, oh, I'm responding to the music that's happening right now. Like mm. it's it's like creating a thing and you know, and it's heightening my experience of this. Well, it's scene. really it's really interesting because that is a big element. Like, have you ever tried mm-hmm. to watch movie like the idea of not using score in movie? Then we've gotten to a period now where there are certain directors who don't want to use score in certain sequences. And if you've ever watched that, mm-hmm. I thought that is another example of, there was so many of the check, the performance is great. The writing, very good. The score was very good. Yeah. I did think about um, a few good men as well at the end sequence with this. And again, missing, I, I, and maybe it's just not films I'm watching now that courtroom esque performance at the end, because I few good men is like, there was a run, um, God, I can't remember. What's the, um, there's a nut, primal fear. Yeah. Did you guys see that with Richard Gere? And every, that's another one right around this time period. The nineties, like late nineties well, were great for these courtroom dramas where they were doing these things. I feel like that's disappeared. A little yeah. Bit. Because and, you get it every week with Sam. You had after this, it was like 20 years of Sam Waterson doing it every week. Oh, so good. So I, like, would watch that. Yeah, well, I, I would watch that every it's week. It's tough again, to like do it because law and order has done it on like how many different shows every three times a week for like 25 years. It's crazy. I, I would love to see it back though, because remember we t- watched just mercy. That was one of my issues with just mercy. I was like screaming out for that. Yeah. Courtroom sequel. Uh, time to kill was around this time period yeah. as well. Like that's one of those things. Um, when we talk about the fugitives, Jim, and you were talking about like procedurals. Yeah. I feel like procedurals have ruined that for movies as well. Like, yeah. and is it something that we can revisit in a movie? You know, something where you have that. I guess you also need a character. You not a character. Well, you need a character, but you also need an actor that can carry a sequence for that period of time, you know, and Pacino did it and Cruz and nickel. But if you don't have it again, it could fall ridiculously flat, I guess, potentially a lot of this movie could have fallen flat. Let's be honest. This, this movie more so than I think many that we've seen recently is, is really dependent on the performance. Mm -hmm. If you pull, if it's, if it's even a, B-level performance from, let's say, either Chris O'Donnell or um, Pacino. I don't know if this movie holds up as well as if it's as written and all those type of stuff. It's asking a lot, by and large, from just two people to do. It's almost a stage play at points. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I was, I was surprised again, the more I sit with it, I think about it. People on our social media too, were very excited when they get it yeah. mainly, um, from, uh, they always remember the hoo reference. Yeah. If scent of a woman was a drinking game, you would be fall down drunk with two words, hoo <laughs> and Baird Academy. Or Jack Baird. Daniels. You'd have to drink Jack Daniels, by the way, a nitpick of mine. <laughs> oh yes. I've been wondering, tell us about what is your feeling about this? Um, that man specifically would not be a Jack Daniels guy considering his, what would he drink? You think he would drink something a little more high end, whether it would be scotch or something. Balvini. Yeah. (laughs) 
maybe maybe a, a like a, a real good bourbon mckellen okay yeah or he might want know. to keep it american though right that's I true mean, he and, is, and uh... some and i guess sometimes you change and you develop tastes and others you keep the same i i can get i can i can believe that he would still drink jack daniels however the line that everybody quotes around this makes no goddamn sense. So when he says, I'll have John Daniels on the rocks or whatever. Yeah. And he's, and Charlie says, you mean Jack Daniels? And he says, uh, if you've known him as long as I've known him, you call him John. That is the exact opposite of how that works. <laughs> yeah, wow. That is very fair. <laughs> they just needed to change the wording. It would be like, yeah. I call him by his birth name. Yeah. You know, like, he and I yes. go back so far that I yes. call him by his birth name. <laughs> yeah. But that's not a quotable line. It just, I guess it so. Yeah. But like, to me, it's like, I've heard that. I've heard people repeat that line before and like really find enjoyment out of it. And I'm like, Guys, take it one step further and think about it. It makes it no makes, fucking sense. Makes absolutely no sense at all yeah. on the context. <laughs> yes, he drinks uh, a lot. Also, I would like to add, based on the volume that that man's drinking, the eyes would be the last organ he needs to worry about. Yeah. He would not have a liver. He would yeah. be very based upon what and, was going on. Yeah. He would be jaundice. Yep. Uh, <laughs> he would have serious issues. Uh, okay, so Pacino wins the Oscars. Quick run through here of who else was nominated because this was a pretty awesome year so Pacino beats Robert Downey Jr. Uh, in Chaplin this is like pre going to prison yeah, Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. and I think we we forget um, not that he's not amazing as Tony Stark and things like that but he has really invested a majority of his career post um, recovery here to the Marvel films that mm -hmm. we we kind of forget that he was an A-list like people considered him one of the best of the best See, at that Charlie time Bartlett there are parallels between Charlie Bartlett in this movie mm. he sort of occupies the Slade character mm -hmm. in that movie um, we also got Eastwood and Unforgiven which is an which incredible is, movie yeah I hate um, Clint Eastwood directed films. I usually think they're trash. Um, Unforgiven is amazing though. And yep. he's great in that. One of my uh, favorite Den lines ever in sure. the movie. He just uh, shot Den an unarmed man. Yeah. He should have armed himself if he was going <laughs> to yes. decorate his establishment with my best friend. <laughs> um, Denzel and Malcolm X. Yeah. He's awesome in that. And then Stephen Ray in the crying game, which is a crying game is an interesting film. If you've never seen it. I'm not sure. I'm not sure it's. I'm not sure it's one will ever be. Uh, I do have a funny crying game story if we ever do it, but I'm not sure it's one we'll ever be doing. Um, but this is great. I mean, it really was. I and it's one if you're willing to watch it, sit with it a little bit. Um, I got it out of the library. Did you get? Where did you guys get it? Did you? We rented it on. Rented it. Yeah, it's iTunes. it's. It's not streaming. I, you know, it's, it's, it, again, it's weird. It's one of those films where you would think it would be somewhere and it's not. It's not as accessible as other films. Um, I quite honestly, when I looked at the Pacino film choices, if you don't want to go back to his work in the 70s, if you start looking at the 80s and 90s and things, this is the movie I would watch yeah. Yeah. Uh, of him because I do think he's great. And Chris O'Donnell, the more I, I've been thinking about it, is maybe one of my favorite performances of someone we've seen in a movie this year. I, I just love 
what he did in the movie. Um, and that is a Son of a Woman. All right, time for Game of the Week. <laughs> All right, bring him back an oldie. We haven't played this one in a while. We're playing Own It, Skip It, One and Done, Films of 93. Again, we had a whole month of Films of 99, mm-hmm. and that was planned. Mm-hmm. We've been doing Films of 93 since this show has started over 114 episodes ago, and we didn't even realize that 93 was a year that we have been tied to. So I picked three films from 93 and these are films we've done recently again not even realizing until last week that they were the same year uh so these are our three films sen of a woman the fugitive and a few good men this is a tough one we only usually do this game when it's tough which one are you going to own which one would you skip which one would you watch one time and that's all you get who would like to start or would you like me to start i'm ready all right, Jim, you go. Um, own it, a few good men. Uh, skip it, uh, the fugitive, and one and done, son of a woman. Hmm. Okay. Oh, I don't like this, Brad. I think I would own the fugitive. Ooh. Uh, one and done, son of a woman, and skip a few good men. Wow. All right. Well, we're going to have a discussion of this because I think we're, our lists might be slightly different. I'm with Jim. I usually with this game, if I actually own one of the three, then I feel obligated. For, oh, obligated. Uh, in this case, I don't feel overly obligated. I own this film on 4K. Uh, a Few Good Men. I love The Fugitive. I do. But like the film lover in me feels like if it's a best Oscar performance and someone like Pacino, I would have to, I, I, I don't feel I could not watch Sen of a Woman. So I would, would pick that as my one and done and very begrudgingly have to skip The Fugitive. See, when I answer this question, I feel like I always go to like, what am I going to rewatch just for fun? Uh, but I, but, yeah. but I think that's a, a yeah. very, and so it's I, always like, I would, I would watch the fugitive over and over again. See to it's me, like the, fun, yeah. Fun watch. To yeah. me, I, I always think about it more of as, as like, what do I get out of that movie that I don't get out of the others? Mm-hmm. And there's nothing that the fugitive brings to the table for me personally mm-hmm. that I can't get in a die hard in a few other movies uh-huh. that I'm like, the, it, it just doesn't feel special sure. to me where the other two feel but like they Tommy are. Lee yeah, but I, really, I mean, I like he, he's he's good. Yeah, he's very good. Yeah. It, it, no, I hear what is... you're saying. Yeah, it's just two different approaches to yeah. like, why do you own a movie? Well, right? well there's it's... a whole other question, right, about uh, if we looked at these three, which is the most watchable? Like right. that, which is a whole other discussion. If I'm just sitting it down and I'm throwing a movie on TV, like it's on TV, like I turn right. on the TV, which one could I feel comfortable watching? That's five funny you minutes should say in? that because I think all of these could be considered one of those ones that back in the day, if you were flipping through the channels and you saw, you kind of got like sucked in. Agreed. I think all of these mm-hmm. fit that. That's fair. But yeah. I think the fugitive for me 
is on the bottom of that list. All right. Oh wow. Yeah. yeah. You see, I, I feel like if I look at it and I'm 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 going a little bit with Jim. I'm waiting for a, a, a scene. If I'm like watching a a, sh- a movie, right. like if it's on TV, I'm like, wait, like obviously if I'm watching a few good men, I might just kind of put it on if it's That's on TNT it, and I'll wait and I'll wait a little bit. Cause I'm like, you know what? I got to get to Cruz and Nicholson going at, and then I feel like probably with Senna woman, it's that same thing. Like, okay, I'm going to watch this and I'm going to enjoy or whatever, but I got to get to Al Pacino at the end doing the thing. And with the fugitive, I'm not sure the best part of it is at the end. So maybe you bail out on that. Well, one that, first. No, I think you, you kind of solidified in my mind, like why I don't, I'm not drawn to the fugitive is that for me, I don't think there's a great scene in the fugitive. Mm. Like there's nothing for me in the fugitive. There are memorable lines Mm -hmm. and there's memorable deliveries and performances, but there even like the climax of that movie is really done. When I like literally in the past minute, since you said that, I just, I think I just realized that I don't like the fugitive specifically because the end is really poor. The way he the, the confrontation at the at the conference is clunky and weird. It doesn't well, it doesn't have an a, impact. It doesn't have like a like it's a, a means to an end, right? Like they had to it's that issue with a lot of yeah. big blockbuster movies, right? It's you have a great premise, but maybe you have two thirds of great movie, but how do you round out the story? Whereas a few good men, and I and I would argue this movie is is building up to something like yeah. something like both in this movie and a few good men, right? The real character, Pacino and Tom Cruise, their fulfillment or their growth, right, is at that end sequence. It's their light yeah, yeah, popping yeah. on moment like tom cruise is going you know well he has that line to like he's he can choose not to challenge right. jack nicholson right but he does in this you know pacino could have chosen not to kill himself but then just said fuck it i'm about right. myself and i'm gonna leave charlie to deal with his own thing and he and he comes back and the growth of those characters yeah, right. comes that's as a result of that moment at the end that's the that's literally what I'm getting at is that there's no character growth in the fugitive. It's not that type of movie. Mm-hmm. No, which it's is like, fair. yeah, it's fine. For, it's fine for me, but the other two are special, I think. Mm-hmm. So, well, one of the things I always think of too is when I'm watching a movie is like, can this movie be remade? They could remake the fugitive today and probably find some people like we talked about last week, Fozzie bear, Sam, the Eagle animal, mm-hmm. for example, we got a great movie. Green light that. Shrimp. Don't you don't even really have to worry about COVID. They can't get it. They're puppets. Yeah. We could go right into production with it. Right into production. We have a movie. Whereas I don't know if I I there's no need for a remake of A Few Good Men or Scent of a Woman. They they just watch them for what they are. Um, but I'll tell you, that bummed me out because I do love The Fugitive and I loved rewatching that. Uh, all right. It is time for five questions. You want answers? You want answers? I want the truth. What makes a man, Mr. Lebowski? What the fuck is the internet? Watch. Why? All right. A very special 
five question this this week. Uh, all five questions are inspired by the amazing Josh Fulmer. So here we go. Uh, thumbs up, thumbs down question. Josh was amazing. In my mind, he only had one fault, and that mm. was he was a Penn State football <laughs> fan. <laughs> <sighs> we're, we're we're all loud character well, flaws. Let, let, let's yeah, we're all we're all loud. Them. Mine is a little film called <laughs> Chances Are. Is was I Penn will State say, football? Uh, thumbs up or thumbs down on Penn State football? I'm um, thumbs down, and 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 not. Um, I'm thumbs down on most college sports at this point. Um, not because of my enjoyment of it, although I hate college football. Um. But the the institution that is college football is a disgrace. No, <laughs> yeah, you know you don't say in general. It might might, might be a little. Ex- you don't think it's exploitative, do you? <laughs> yeah, let's not even get into the specific <laughs> issues at Penn State. Let yeah, uh, yes, I'm solely talking about the T. I'm not talking about the yeah. the what have you. Katie, how about you? Are you a Penn State thumbs up uh, or thumbs down? That might actually be the only school where I have ever gone to a college football game. Oh, me too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. My best friend when I was growing up, her family would go and they would do the whole tailgating thing. Okay. And so like, yeah, I, I did that. And I mean, it definitely had an impact on me as a kid. I met the Nittany, Nittany Lion. You, I had you met some, the Nittany Lion? I did. I had some autographs and... I, I think the paw print as perhaps? of like last year, I still had that, that program floating around. Yeah, cool. I would like, show go. it to Jim from time to time. Be like, yeah. do I keep this? Like, what do I do? I mean, this? that part of it, the experience <laughs> around the game that the fans can create is such, um, an interesting thing for me that I struggle with. Even just going to Eagles games. It's yeah, like, yeah, I love this environment where everyone is like gung ho and like feeling good. And like, you know, cooking, sharing, sharing food, sharing drinks. And, and then I can't help, but let that other part creep in where it's like, this is a fucking football game. (laughs) And then it's like, it it just, it just, I don't know. I just wonder if it would be different for us. If we went to a school with a football program, very fair. So like we just escaped that whole piece because our school didn't have a football team. I'm going to tell you right now, I didn't need a football team to drink on Saturday afternoon. (laughs) I loved a good homecoming soccer game. Loved a good homecoming soccer game. There was a little thing called kegs and eggs. Loved going to watch Sean Costello play. Uh, I will say I myself have only ever (laughs) attended one tailgate and it was at the alma mater of one Mr. Chris O'Donnell. Shoot. Poly High Field. No, no that's the Egret Poly High Field. What was the name of the Egan? field? Egan? No. Egan? No. no. I don't know. Right, Who cares? We got, we got uh, I went to a BC football game. Rizzoli and Isles Field. I think it was Rizzoli and Isles. Rizzoli and Isles. Ooh, good shot. Franklin and Bash. Franklin and Bash. All right, here we go. All right. Inspired by two comedies that Josh loved, would you rather watch Money Pit or American Pie? Oh, that's interesting. I think I've seen Money Pit more recently than American. Oh, Pie. I have not. Really? I was going to go the other way on that. A, mo- but- a, mo- a Money Pit is on Netflix. It is Money seen- Pit is amazing. I haven't I seen love that Tom since Hanks. the 80s, love I feel like. I love Money Pit. I did love the first American Pie, mm. and I there is something about that movie that I think is probably Eugene Levy. 
Yeah. We might need well, to do awesome. a rewatch of both of these films because yeah. it's been well, I, maybe I would watch years. both of those yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, what, are you, what would you pick? Right. Would you I was going to pick American Pie because I can't even right, tell I, you what I, I money, money, money Pit, Pit is about. Like, I. Okay. Oh, really? I have like a very oh, vague so memory of watching it. All right. Hey, I'm going to give you a bonus choice here. Better performance. Tom Cruise is um, Kathy, or would you rather watch Pacino as Slade? Oh, Pacino. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'll take Tom Cruise. Of course you will. Thank you, Scientology. We will take Scientology as a sponsor. Mm -hmm. I will read L. Ron Hubbard passages. Are we saying those words out loud? I am. They pay well. Doesn't mean you have to follow it. Uh, All right, here we go. Question three. One word that best describe Josh is extra. I was. Oh, that's (laughs) perfect. Yep. That's what uh, our our nephew Jace. That was the word he used to describe Josh. That's perfect. Yeah, extra. All right, extra I love generous, it. extra spirited. You just put extra in front of all of your adjectives, and that was Joshua Fulmer. Yeah. All right, perfect. We kind of started to hint on this a little bit. Yeah. Uh, I have seen through photos and and heard mm-hmm. that there were few people as good as tailgating as one oh, yeah. Mr. Josh Fulmer. What is your guys? favorite part of a tailgating experience and now that's all tailgating we didn't go to much college football you guys yeah. have been lots of concerts and th- what do you love about tailgating what's your favorite part of a tailgate so i never got to have the the benefit of a josh tailgate mm-hmm. um you know that katie loves games though yeah that's you know mm. i whatever it is frisbee cornhole i want to i want to throw a thing beer pong Ooh. i want to play a game and have a beverage yeah that's what i want to do mm-hmm. i would right. say the food oh the food yeah good food yeah you need it because there's usually a lot of alcohol mm-hmm. i feel like there's a lot of alcohol at mm-hmm. tailgates usually sure. yeah, and then you're going into the stadium gotta the fill that really belly ex- yeah food's really expensive there uh finally deep thoughts question Tell me a great, fun, humorous, exciting, amazing story about one Mr. Josh Fulmer. Anyone have one to share? Do you, does one come to your mind? Not specifically. You go. You you have well, one go first. So for me, it's I will always just remember uh, the way that my our daughter Eva <laughs> looked at Josh, um, and we would joke that as a we, playground, she just like as a playground, him. as a jungle gym. Um, that we would go visit and all of the other family members, because there were many others in you know the Lehigh Valley area, that they would all fade away and this thing would happen with Eva where like when Josh appeared, her face would light up and she would just throw herself at him. Yeah. And we have so many pictures of her lounging on him, hugging him, playing like he yeah. was just her bud from the time she was born. So he yep. would he would always joke with us when because uh, Josh kind of came into Emily's life right around right when Eva was born. right around when Eva mm-hmm. was yeah. born, um, and they even came to our house and like stayed and watched the watched Lily. Um, they were the only people that our children ever slept for. Yeah, and so <laughs> Josh would always joke like and tell Lily and Eva like, "Hey, you should got you guys should get a dog. You should get a dog." You he would do those like annoying like uncle-y kind of things where like. <laughs> you know, telling the kids that they should get something that we don't really want in the house and whatever. And we were able to pay that back for Ollie's birthday when we bought him 
um, an inchworm scooter uh, that made ooh. the most annoying noise in the world. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> it, it was so All loud. It was oh, so I'm loud. sorry, Scout Bear. Yeah, yeah Scout did well, not like that. So. And he well, thanks me. Yeah. Also, well, some. Yes, yeah, go ahead. Also, he was one of the only. He he, he had fifteen hundred dollars worth of bourbon in his in his house. Um, that he would just give like, and that's two bottles of Pappy Van Winkle. That he would just freely give me when I was there. He's just like, here, to have some of this. The, well, that so that was yeah. the word that was go- coming to my mind previously was he was one of the most generous humans. Yeah. With any anything. His spirit and his things. His love, <laughs> his time. Yeah. He was a generous guy. Well, I will always love that. A, he made me laugh. Like, yeah. and we see it in the episode made you laugh, but I do like, I'll, I think I'll always think of him in terms of like, just for being on with us that we talk about movies, which some people think, well, what effect do people have on movies? And when I rewatched a few good men this week, and then I watched Pacino in this and he talks about how like those influence them and thought about for helping people. And yeah. like people in both those movies who needed to be helped because they weren't people that were going to be able to help themselves based upon the situation that they were. Yeah. And that like we talk about this, but they're like themes and stuff. And like that to me was really awesome to yeah. have that experience with him just in terms of doing this. And yep. that is what he went on and did. So you can be inspired in many ways, even for weird things like movies. Uh, and I also appreciate that he was Eva's human jungle gym as I am when she visits, oh, because yeah. Yeah. I yep. leave with many bruises Yeah, when I visit Eva. Yeah, she's not shy. She's not gentle. She's not shy. Nope. Um, just remember, if you follow us and you can, please uh, donate to the GoFundMe page. It's on our page and we'll repost it again as we've been doing several times. Thanks, um, next week, really excited for this one. This is a film that I love, saw in the theater, uh, was a big champion of years ago uh, when it came out, was Oscar nominated. We're going to be watching the Chris Pine, Jeff Bridges film, Hell or High Water which I'm not sure have either of the two of you seen? No. no. All right. So I'm really interested because I, I love the writer of this movie. He also wrote Sicario, which I love. And he wrote, uh, he writes the show Yellowstone. Oh yeah. I need to watch and, that apparently, which is an amazing show. And uh, he's great. So I think we'll be excited for that. Make sure you join us for that and we'll see you next time. All, All right. right. Bye, Bye everybody. everybody.